Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Nightcap. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. We are recording this on the 21st of June at approximately 10.14 a.m. Yes, the Monday morning after the Vegas Gold Knights have managed to tie up the Stanley Cup semifinal series with the Montreal Canadiens. Two to two, two games each, a piece, whatever you want to say. Uh, I think that they are officially back down here in Vegas. They flew out from Montreal this morning because Game 5 is going to be in T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night, Tuesday. And so we uh, we got to get into all the things that led up to uh, the Gold Knights and their equalizing victory uh, last night. And to be honest... Guys, we kind of got away with one last night. But you know what? So did Montreal in Game 3. Like, Montreal stole a win in Game 3, and we stole a win in Game 4. So it's all evened up. And there's still a lot to really get into about what's going on with these Vegas Golden Knights. Because obviously a 2-1 to victory in overtime isn't exactly like a score that we're super excited about. Other than the fact that we came out on the winning end of it. Because the score does not really indicate what really happened in last night's game. Which was pretty much Montreal dominating up and down the lineup from the get-go. They came ready to go in that first period as they have each and every game so far this series. They really try to get out to that lead and basically try to hunker down, clog up the middle, and uh, and keep it to the outside of the rest of the way. But luckily, the Golden Knights were able to escape that first period without giving up a goal and without scoring a goal themselves. But considering where they were in the shot totals at that point, where Vegas had four shots, four shots in the first period, like, we're not used to this, people. But Montreal had 11, and as I said, pretty much dominated the whole way through. And in the second period, it was pretty much kind of the same song and dance. The, the Golden Knights weren't really able to sustain any sort of offensive pressure. The the Montreal Canadiens have been doing a really good job of stepping up early on breakouts for the Golden Knights. So, like, in that neutral zone. So, they're disrupting the Golden Knights before they can even really get into the neutral zone. So, they're trapping some pucks that should be getting out. At, or just turning them over in that neutral after they're going through a, a little bit of regroup and setting it back down below. But then that's also happening in the offensive zone when the Golden Knights do have the opportunity to advance that puck, which there wasn't a whole lot last night because Montreal was just getting so much better, playing so much more aggressive, was putting themselves in the physical positions to get to contested pucks. So, like, you 
both kind of converge at the same time into the boards because that's the the timing that takes place. And more often than not, Vegas was either kind of falling over or getting put in a, a checked position where they couldn't make a play. So if it's always Montreal getting to that first initial open puck, you know that's going to equate to how many more rushes towards the Vegas Golden Knights end, how many more odd man rushes, how many more chances. And it just kind of adds up those little keep-ins, those little almost had it, you know, basically tease out to that shot disparity we saw in the first period between Montreal and Vegas. And then obviously it started to move towards more of an equalized possession game in the second with Vegas having eight shots versus Montreal's nine. But you also had a few penalties in there as well. You had unsportsmen like Connick with Shea, from Shea Weber, from Nosek. Um, you know, Alex Tuck being on that top line centering Pacioretty and Stone wasn't exactly the kind of push the team, I think, had hoped. We know that Alex Tuck isn't a center. Like, this guy isn't going to play a game that is built upon stops and starts and playing all over the ice. That guy just needs to let loose and run free. He's like a pure thoroughbred horse. You don't want to put him with the equestrians. You don't, barely don't want to put him on the track. Like, this is the Hidalgo horse, you know, with uh, – with uh, what's-his-face from Lord of the Rings, where it's just like, we just run across the desert for 18 days because that's what we're built for. Like, we have a very, very small niche here. And that's what Alex Tuck does. And then when you have him up on that first line and it's not getting the job done the way it's supposed to, you might as well put him back down on the third because at least with his presence on the third, that is an actual line that has been productive. And when you take him away from that, that line is rendered you know, a lot less uh, of a threat. And so instead of having two good lines going, you have one and a half. And so the Golden Knights were smart enough to kind of switch that up and, and Pete DeBoer started tinkering with those lines in the second period and obviously through the third. Um, but the real name of this game so far for the Golden Knights and what's really biting them in the ass is that power play. And it's not just the fact that they aren't scoring on the power play and the advantage that this is when you want to make sure you put pressure on Carey Price. Like if he's playing like, you know, uh, goalie Jesus, you better make damn sure that you're getting one past him on those main advantages because there's no other time this is going to happen. Like, you have a distinct extra person and you still can't get it done. And then the problem is, is that because there are so many characters on those power plays that play together on regular lines too, that whatever success or failure that happens on that power play carries over to the five on five game as well. And the five on five game, feeds into the power play like this is all interconnected my friends it's all one holistic view that's what we're trying to take on on this team right now and so they're so spread out on that power play and really I think the goal the first goal against that Montreal scores you know just as that power play expires they end up springing uh, a, a semi breakaway from uh, with a guy who was in the box involved that beats Leonard just like an absolute snipe and he hasn't seen any shots for for minutes at that point, but it really it really is fed off of the fact that the Golden Knights were so bad in that power because they are so spread out they're not able to actually move the Montreal Canadian power or penalty killers out of the way. They just kind of like set up shop. I'm just going to go, you know, I'll shuffle over to here and get his shooting lane. I'll shuffle over here and then I'll get in his shooting lane. And then they try to shoot. I'm going to go out and block the shot. Like there is an actual really real puck movement going around. The puck is moving around the penalty killers, but it's not actually making the penalty killers themselves move. And even when they're giving some of that, that time and space and respect to the Golden Knights up at the top, you know, with our points where a lot of our goals have come from, 
Golden Knights aren't really taking it. And when they do, they wait to the absolute, like, half second too late where they made one less extra half move or the shot, if it would have been released a half a second earlier, then there would have been a a better screen in front of Price. Like, there's all these little things that go into the fact that the Golden Knights aren't scoring goals on the power play. But we know how toxic it can create uh, that bench to be. And I don't mean where people are getting negative or, or, or anything, but it just it becomes really hard for the Gold Knights to break out of those scoring slumps, to generate their own magic, especially against teams that are willing to pay the price, that are so defensively sound, like the Montreal Canadiens. And then you add the fact that Carey Price was in there. And just once you humanize him, it's fine. Like once McNabb gets that goal behind him short side, uh, he cheats a little bit on his post seal, so it opens up just enough of a hole and that puck sneaks through. Like, that's a, oh, my God, it's actually a, a possible. Like, he's actually beatable. Like, oh, my God, it's actually here. And, you know, it's going to take grimy goals like that, and that's what the Nick Woggle ended up being in overtime as well. But you just can't rely on the fancy stuff. You can't think that you're going to create these these plays for yourself when you can't even establish – pucks below the hash marks in the offensive zone like it's just not a place for you to be and if the momentum is not on your side which it wasn't for most of that game last night all of those kind of lateral moves you try to make in the high offensive zone or those little extra uh dipsy doodles that's just one more opportunity for the puck to get turned over and back up ice and that could potentially be you know another goal that could be the Caulfield chance that that Leonard ha- that Leonard stopped where he was on that breakaway cuts across and Leonard said in his pre- press uh, availability after that he checked the pre-scout and usually Caulfield either goes high or either goes five hole and based off of what he saw the Caulfield looked like he was going five hole and like Leonard isn't the breakaway guy like we know about his his history with shootouts but this is a guy who's looking to defy everything that people think about him every preconceived notion every doubter as he also highlighted that he usually gets to the rink four hours early same um and that he was just on twitter watching people talk shit about him like i love that as a former goal like i love that mindset but that's a guy who doesn't care about his past doesn't give a shit about the fact that he's usually not the best on breakaways because in that moment he was better than cole caulfield and that was a save that ended up being a huge huge moment in that game i'm sure a huge moment in in leonard's confidence even though so much of the game had already transpired at that point too but just to basically be able to give the middle finger f you and 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 be there for your team to to have 27 saves on 28 shots and 964 save percentage in your second playoff start this year other being a seven goal against performance against the abs like it doesn't get bigger of a flex than that for robin letter if you ask me like i i have nothing but but respect and and um accolades for him because i know what that feels like as a netminder to to be playing relatively well but still not to be the better of the two or to not be the anointed of the two at that um, particular point in time. And it's a really tough place to be as a goaltender because guess what, guys? Only one of you gets to play. There's only one crease. And so I remember um, I had a couple of those moments when I was in college and most notably my senior year, which ended up turning out great. But I lost my starting job earlier in the season. And granted, I didn't think that I did anything to deserve it. I thought that I was playing just as well. But I wasn't the one making the decisions. 
And we all know uh, Coach Matthews. We've we've talked about her plenty of times on this show on the Playmakers. Want to say congrats to her as well as she uh, she is leaving my alma mater at, at St. Anselm College. It's going to be taking up an associate head coach position at the Boston University Terriers women's team, which is awesome for her. Super pumped for you, Coach. Also kind of sad because that's one of the last connections I have to the school. But that's not about me. It's not about me, or at least that part of me. We're talking about the time that I got sat. And um, it's every day, you know, that's my senior season. And I lost it out to to my my one of my best friends, and but my younger goalie partner, Hannah. And Hannah w- was playing well. And the thing is, is that this isn't this wasn't the first time that it happened to me, and not at that program, not in playing goalie, because you just have to go through these things as you're growing up. And you know, it's really a way that you can help weed out people who are meant to play that position and who aren't, because everybody can make saves and play well. But it's what happens when you get pulled, and it's and it's you're told it's not your net. Like, what type of person are you? What type of teammate are you? And the type of teammate that I was and that I was raised to be was that you can keep all the stuff that you want to say to to the coach, to your goalie partner, like all the things that frustrate you because you have to separate like Hannah, my goalie partner, my competitor, and Hannah, my friend. Like I'm very good at doing that. And and being there for the team, like being that positive, that that positive force. Like it's one thing to not be a negative one, but it's a whole different thing to be a positive. Like if you can just be quiet and not be a detractor, to not be a cancer, like that's an actual very real thing that you have to worry about at any single level of hockey. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter if if it boys hockey, girls hockey, like those are very real concerns that could happen that can disrupt a team. But I wanted to make sure that I was that vocal leader on the bench as much as I was on the on the ice. Like I talked a lot. If you look back and watch any of my tape, you can hear me, you know, on the video from the crow's nest because that's how much I'm yelling. Like, and I'm not yelling at my team. It's just like pucks up, like get it deep, like just me chatting because that's how I stayed engaged with the game because it's easy for my mind to wander, obviously. Um, and I did that on the bench. Like I, I, I would, you, you know, you have to open the door and you give tips to your to your defenseman you're coming off you say good play here good play there I thought I saw this like you just talk to him you be you be present you be uh, a, a support because most of the time when you're playing you're just worrying about yourself worrying about your teammates and sometimes it's so nice just to have somebody to say hey that was a kick-ass shift you just got to do that you got to take this puck in a little bit deeper or maybe send it a little bit earlier maybe take this shot from this angle instead and you're going to be on it like you're a fucking all-star like that does so much for people on the bench and so I always wanted to be one of those people and I'm sure that Leonard is the same because he's a guy that I don't think gets a lot of praise I think that he's a guy who his entire life has probably been working for that exact level of acceptance that we all kind of look for especially at net minders of that security that is inherently like not a real thing but for some people it is. And for Leonard, for somebody who's been told no so many times in his life, for somebody that hasn't been believed in, even though his performance indicated something that's, that should be bought into, like that says so much about him as a person and as a, as a man and as a human being and as a teammate more than it does about himself as a hockey player. So I share in, in 
Max it, Pacioretty's praising him post-game last night about how good of a teammate he's been and how big of an impact that has on a locker room and a bench and how great it is when those guys or those girls or whoever gets that chance to finally, you know, pull their weight where their number is called and for them to not only do that but do well. Like, that's a huge, huge boost to a team and that really shows the health of an organization of how people are bought into it even if they're not the ones that would be like, you're the starter, you're your top line person. Like if they're bought in, if they understand the message, they understand the mission, if they know that their role is just as important as anybody else's, like there's that feeling, there's that effort made in the in the organization and amongst the team. Like those are the teams that go far. Those are the teams that understand in the moments like last night where you're going into overtime, you manage to push that thing into an extra frame and that you're not playing your best, but you got a couple of people on your team that are. Like, your team isn't, but you have a couple of individuals that are. And all you need is one little moment. All you need is a little sliver of a window of opening, like we saw with the Brady McNabb shot or Nick Wad over time where he has the wherewithal just to, hold, have, to have the patience to take it, another stick handle outside, and to just feather it over because he knew a defenseman was going to come across and try to take away it, that lane down low. I mean, that's a direct almost kind of uh, note taken from the from the game the night before between the Islanders and the Lightning where you had Islanders guy coming across and making the save in the waning seconds of the third period to secure the victory because their goalie got a little bit outside of their crease and started chasing a little bit. Like, that's a similar type of thing. So he waited a little bit longer. He floats it over. And all of a sudden, we're heading back to Vegas 2-2 two to two and everything actually is okay. Like, the sun does come up the next day. And you know what? There are so many ways in which this, this Vegas Golden Knights team can play better, can get better. And... Like I said, we were even. Like it was so easily that they could have been down three to one in that series, and not that that's an insurmountable lead, but that's a tough climb. That's a tough climb to do two series in a row. And the first series was against a team that is very easy to kind of get up and be like, "Yeah, we're gonna fight back and we're gonna beat the shit out of the t- best team in the league in the abs." Like it's harder to do it twice, and it's harder to do it against the next team, which plays a much different style that's not nearly as fun, with not nearly as many people feeling good about themselves. You're listening to the Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Browers. Talking about Game Four last night. Uh, Vegas wins that in overtime, two to one. Um, as we kind of glossed over, Game Three was very much uh, a, a stolen victory for for Carey Price and for the Montreal Canadiens. Talked a little bit about the power play. I think they need to maybe consider an overload option. Right now, they're still utilizing that umbrella. So you have that defenseman up top. So Theodore or Petrangelo, you have the two forwards or that are kind of on the the face-off dots slash tops of circles. And you have somebody in front or maybe even two people in front that and somebody that pops down low when that puck moves down to the half hole to be that outlet. Like, I would actually like to see them – do an overload considering most of their goals have been scored off of faceoffs, where you don't have the two forwards on either side of the defenseman. You instead, let's say, you move Petrangelo and you keep him in that middle position, but now you have a D that's along the boards on that faceoff. You have somebody that's on that half wall, somebody that's directly below, you know, um, just on the strong side to the goal, and then somebody that's in front of the net. Like, that would get traffic. That's going to definitely, like, limit you in terms of your ability to open up seams 
um, cross zone, but it's not like those are there anyways. You know, like the Golden Knights can't even get the shots off that they're trying to do. And so I just want to see them shake it up a little bit and see if they are willing to start taking time and space and creating with their feet rather than just with their passing. Cause I think they just rely too much on those, those longer passes, those one timers. And that actually all they really need is those, those seam passes. Like it doesn't need to go coast to coast it doesn't need to go face off dot to face off dot sometimes it needs to just go from face off dot to the inside hash marks of the same circle to beat goaltenders to get a better angle to to keep a rebound on the strong side where there's more bodies to whack it in versus it popping out to dead space where you have to go skate or they have a jump on um to get to get that puck out of the out of the zone it's just they need to figure it out because if they don't, it's going to keep taking away from their five-on-five. Five. You still have a, a top line between Stone, Patchetti, and now hopefully Thomas Nosek if, if Stevenson can't go. I mean, Nosek can actually move. Nosek can make some plays. And Nosek is actually a very effective guy in getting pucks into the zone on zone entries. Like, he's not a guy that gives up that possession high in zone. He tries to take it to the net or take it low with his feet and uses his body to kind of shield it a little bit better. I think that's what that night line needs. But that line doesn't move as effectively, isn't as um, threatening of a scoring option without having that speed with Stevenson. But at least Nosek can go out there and kind of help and be that guy who can score goals. And he's certainly not going to draw the attention that Stevenson would. So that almost maybe is a good thing because we know that that guy can score goals, especially when the team needs somebody to pick up some slack. Like that guy was literally keeping that this team afloat for a good chunk of this season towards what? The second... Second, third, there's first, third, second, third, 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 the second, third of the season he was probably keeping this team afloat. But in terms of, like, who to start goaltending-wise in Game 5, I have no idea. Like, this is a good problem to have. This is, like, the best problem to have because you get Fleury some rest. He he, he gets a little bit of a reset. You get Leonard back in. He plays well. He gets some of his confidence back. You get the, the team's confidence back in them. Not that they waver, but just, like, to have – the performance be like, see, see, assholes, he's fine. See, he's not just a guy who's uh, happy to be here. Like, he's a guy that's capable of winning his games. Like, I don't know why people doubt this about him. But in terms of deciding, I don't know. Because Flurry's played so well. Like, this is his team. They're, they're here because of him. You had multiple people, multiple players, coaches, all that stuff saying, we are here because Marc-Andre Fleury. Robin Leonard says it himself. The dude said played 15 games. Nine and six, one point nine seven goals against, which I'm pretty sure is the best in the in the playoffs, at least in terms of goalies remaining. Save percentage point nine two one, three hundred seventy eight saves against, three hundred forty eight saves. This can't all be in the playoffs, can it? I suppose it is. Holy cow, that's a lot. And one shutout, even as an assist. We didn't even know that. I mean, we knew that, but, like, still, he's playing very well. And Leonard, granted, great performance last night. Super solid. Let's just look at my numbers too that I wrote down. 27 for 28, save percentage .964, one even strength goals against. Like, at multiple occasions was the reason why it was still one to nothing or that the game was still within reach. So, in turn, is a huge reason why they won last night. And the goaltending depth is the strength of this team, even though they haven't really flexed it as much in this postseason. So I literally do not envy Pete DeBoer in what this decision is because I think there are two right decisions, but there are wrong outcomes. 
And that's going to be either way, like Flower lost game and Leonard lost game. Like Flower gave up a crappy goal and Leonard gave up a crap. Like it's all the same shit. This is hockey. This is goalie. This is everything. But it's all about putting the, the guy who gives you the best chance to win on any given night. And I think both of our goalies are more than capable of getting us a dub. And so we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if DeBoer went back to Flower because this is, you know, his season. This has been uh, his, his postseason. And if they really wanted to get him rest, then then they'll go right back to him. But it would be hard for me to also look away from the very strong play and performance that Leonard just put on, um, it, especially with the low scoring affair and that the game was and where you know the Gold Knights were very much in the in the passenger seat. Like I'm not saying that is the same type of cocktail or pace we should expect for Game Five back at T-Mobile, but this is a, a hockey team that has a lot of things that it's trying to work through. That it's trying to have you know some sort of psychological breakthrough on and so it might be okay it might be beneficial even to just stick with Leonard for another game and just go by a a game by game basis at this point but that's not how they've operated this playoffs it'd be really tough for me to uh, understand them all of a sudden switching into the every other mode other than the fact that they could say well this is all gamesmanship we're all trying to basically just give away nothing all the way through warm-ups and stuff but it's a good problem to have, honestly, and, uh, and and I'm glad that the Golden Knights have been able to work themselves back into this series and that they were able to get that win um, with and for Robin Leonard last night because it proves to, to them, to themselves, to the fan base, to hockey, that both of these guys are obviously more than capable of, of getting the win and that they're willing to change it up, that they're willing to experiment and not just kind of ride with what they've done this whole time, which is very easy to do. I mean, you could arguably say that's what Jared Bednar did with the abs last series which is just you run with what's with what's worked with what's brought you success and why wouldn't you um but it it, it takes a it takes a a big time vision and uh and some trust and and a lot of support to be able to make that choice for him to start Leonard in that fourth game and uh and and to make the decision for game five it's it's uh not a not a fun place to be for DeBoer in terms of telling somebody no, but it's certainly the best type of no that you probably give out in, in his line of work. And it's it's hard to believe in many ways that the Gold Knights have managed to get themselves back to even in this series, heading back to Game 5. Obviously, this series is very much still in reach, but the team has so much to figure out um, before they find their best game. Uh, we've talked about that power play. We've talked about Leonard um, and, and, and what his type of teammateship and support means. We've talked about that first line, and... And, and moving Tuck back down to the third because that's what makes sense at this point. we got to hope that Stevenson, who is day-to-day, who did not make the trip up to Montreal, is maybe a go for Game 5. I mean, we didn't really know that Nosek was a thing until Game 3. And so uh, there's there's always a, a possibility that they can kind of sneak somebody back into that lineup, and that would be huge if so. But regardless, the Golden Knights are going to have to find a way to be the better team on the ice in multi, multiple facets against the Canadians tomorrow night. Um, and they haven't really been that for the last few periods but the only one that matters is the next one and uh the only nightcap that matters is the next one too because i congratulate you and thank you for sticking through uh this episode with me probably have one following game five on tuesday got the playmakers live each and every day uh three to five p.m right here on uh cbs sports radio eleven forty. So, again, nightcap, share with your friends, share with your family, share with all the hockey people or the people that have yet to be introduced to your hockey because you never know. I might be that bridge to, uh, to uh, help you. 
not have to uh, cock her for the river because we know that Clara can't go through another bout of malaria and that we can't lose any more supplies because the hunting was just not the same last time around because all the buffalo are gone. But thank you for not leaving yourself. This is Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Brown, and we'll see you guys tomorrow, I guess, or the next piece of audio. That works, too. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.